Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. We've been talking all month about the Consumer Technology Show, which has been happened in Las Vegas last week. Um, and it was a very exciting week. Lots of great technology, lots of great trends really being demonstrated on the floor. And as part of our focus on the Consumer Electronics Show this month, we have the fabulous John Chebecca, who is the director of the Silicon Valley United States Patent and Trademark Office. And John is going to tell us a little bit about his role and also what they're doing at CES, what they did at CES, and um, what what is exciting um, in his world. Um, and I'm excited because I've never actually talked to anyone from the Patent and Trademark Office before. You sound very important. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's have a hand for John Chebecca. Yay! <laughs> John, so t- tell us about your role. I, I know, n- know not, not that much about the Patent and Trademark Office, but I know that you're sitting sort of at the door of all these great new uh, products and solutions and everything that's sort of exploding in our world. And uh, thank you, and thanks, Lori. It's, it's great to, to be with everyone today. Uh, yeah, so I've been uh, at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office now uh, almost 30 years, uh, but uh, just headed out west about four years ago to build out the USPTO's uh, West Coast location. Um, so our West Coast office, we like to call it the Silicon Valley USPTO. It's actually in San Jose City Hall. Uh, we opened up our, our, the permanent space here in the City Hall in October of 2015, and it was really the first time in our over 225-year history of a patent system in the United States that we had a physical presence to serve and more robustly engage with the inventors and the entrepreneurs and the businesses and the, the general community out on the, the West Coast of the U.S. Um, the Silicon Valley USPTO is one of four regional offices that serves, uh, serves the country's entrepreneurs, small businesses, and innovators. So in addition to the Silicon Valley office, we also have a regional office in Dallas, Denver, and Detroit. Uh, with our very first regional office being Detroit that just opened uh, just over five years ago. So this establishment of a regional presence across the country is a relatively new venture for the USPTO, even though it's been something that has been a great desire uh, for our agency to better engage with our communities uh, for many decades. Uh, the regional offices have three primary goals. Uh, one of them, yeah, I like to call it, is our selfish goal. It's really for us to be able to attract, hire, and retain top talent uh, and tap into a new workforce that we've never been able to tap into before. Uh, prior to having a regional office, everyone had to go to D.C. and, and get hired in D.C. Uh, but now we've really seen um, the, the benefit of having these regional offices with the technical experts that we've brought on board as patent examiners and the, the just tremendous legal expertise that we've seen from our patent trial and appeal board judges that, that uh, have joined the Silicon Valley office as well as the other regional offices uh, across the country. Uh, so that's kind of the first goal is to, to, you know, to tap into a new talent pool and to help us produce the high-quality services that, that we produce at the USPTO. Um, the second one is to bring services to the 
to the regions that need them the most. And so it's really otherwise to take advantage of services at the USPTO, you would have to fly to Alexandria, Virginia, to where our headquarters are, to take advantage of um, the, the different types of services that we now offer in the regional office. Uh, so some of them are, for example, uh, using the same search systems that our patent examiners use to see if a patent application should actually be granted a patent for that invention, um, but also to, to meet with patent experts to help answer your questions that you may have on, on whatever innovation you may be working on, um, or to even more robustly interact with a patent examiner that may be working around the country um, to, to meet them through high-tech virtual interview rooms, again, otherwise having to fly to, to Alexandria to take advantage of. And then kind of on a more advanced level is, is to participate in some of our tribunals uh, through uh, hearing rooms that we have in our regional offices to engage with our judges from the Patent Trial and Appeal Board and the Trademark Trial and Appeal Board. Uh, so oh, my really God, I have so many questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, is, is, is all of this sort of um, regional office opening a reflection of the fact that technology is moving so fast, adoption is happening so fast, and there's just this explosion in startups? Is, is that part of, of where this is all coming from? Well, it, it's been, and it's definitely a part of it, because our, the third goal is to really serve as a hub of outreach and education for the entire region to make sure that the entrepreneurs and the startups and the emerging enterprises have access to the information they need to make the best decisions that they need to make with respect to building out their business strategy. And one of the things I always like to say is an intellectual property strategy should be in every single business strategy, whether it's just protecting the brand of, of uh, a service you may be providing as part of your business or actually protecting, you know, getting the brand and perhaps even, uh, you know, getting a patent for the products that you're actually putting out on the marketplace. So, and really understanding what your options are, what the different types of intellectual property um, you know, avenues are and how they may overlap with each other because there's not really a one-size-fits-all for, for everyone. And so there is this little bit of overlap across the forms of IP that it's good to get that understanding before you, you know, go into an attorney and say, okay, file my patent for me and have a better understanding of what you might need to take into account in order to do that. Do, do, does, um, do people know when it's time to think about this, you know, or is it, are you saying that um, if, if I'm a startup and I'm raising funds, this should already be on my radar? Well, it's, it's, it really, um, that's actually one of, it's an excellent question because one of the, my soapboxes I like to say is, is really the, is promoting the risks of early disclosure. And that is like disclosing your, what can you say before you file your patent application that won't negatively impact your ability to get patent protection either in the U.S. or, or perhaps even more importantly in other countries. And so there are di different laws in the different countries that, uh, that regulate whether you can even get a patent if you disclose your invention too soon. So really understanding what that line is, especially in an environment that is so collaborative uh, that we see today in incubators and accelerators popping up across the country, where startups kind of you know, rely on each other for help and assistance, and at some point understanding there may actually be legal implications when someone helps you and says, oh, have you thought about doing it this way? Well, now are they actually an inventor in your, in your invention, or um, you know, did, did that 
know, advice actually lead to and contribute to an innovative concept, you have to account for that. And so really understanding those nuances, especially in a collaborative and, and robust environment like we see in these incubators and accelerators for startups around the country is really important. Well, I mean, um, I had no idea um, that it was such a big part, uh, you know, of the process. Now, when, when someone comes into your office, is it a scary thing or is it more of, you know, I'm seeking information, so nothing I do here is, um, is going to alert the media. This is a safe place for me to just come and inquire. Yeah, actually, meeting with a USPTO employee is, especially a patent expert, is considered um, is is a private disclosure. So it's not considered a disclosure to a member of the public because we're not members of the public when in our roles as patent examiners. So uh, so you can, in confidence, come and talk to a patent examiner, a patent manager about your invention without running the risk of saying, "Okay, well now I've disclosed my invention." Um, and there's very few mechanisms with with beyond that where you can do that without perhaps signing, you know, a non-disclosure agreement or working with someone that's also under the same kind of secrecy order that we are at the USPTO. And, and it seems to me, too, that since you, you were based um, on the East Coast for all those years, has the is the culture really different for you being in Silicon Valley? So I absolutely love it here. We've had... Um, so now we've been open just over two years, and our workforce, we have a new class of examiners joining us uh, in two weeks. And we've just been so impressed with the culture that has, that has evolved here in the, in the regional office. And part of that is because we actually transferred some, some of our staff from headquarters to the regional office to help you know, bridge that and help establish a culture here in, in each of our regional offices. But at the same time, the community, the regional office um, staff and the community that they've formed has just evolved into something you know, very Silicon Valley-esque. I like to say we kind of created a work environment that, you know, that really fosters collaboration and it really encourages our workforce to get out and interact with each other, you know, out, outside of the, the kind of the very isolating work of, of being a patent examiner and recognizing that you're not in it alone, you know, when you're working on a, a complex application, there's always somebody that can help you in understanding the technology and to to help uh, with searching related technologies to see if something really should be patented. So I've really seen such a dynamic evolution of that team. And it's because I, I like, because I have a relatively small group. When you think about there's uh, about 12,500 employees at the USPTO, about 83, 82, 8,300 of them are patent examiners. Um, so we have about 80 patent examiners right now at the Silicon Valley office. And so they're all elbow to elbow with each other, and they're all working in completely different technologies. At headquarters, when you're elbow to elbow, usually elbow next to somebody who's working in the same technology. So they're able to gain a broader perspective by, by interacting with folks from other technologies, which I think is really interesting, too. Oh, my God, I so want to hang out with you. So <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to take a break in a moment. But before we go, um, I just wanted to ask you, because you mentioned that you have high-tech virtual interview rooms. Are those, what are those? That sounded really exciting. Yeah, so, uh, so I mentioned we have about 8,200 examiners or so, and uh, you know, many of them are actually working from their home somewhere in the country, so they don't even go into the office on a regular basis. So having an interview, when you're a patent applicant, 
and the examiner has sent uh, an, an office action we call a response to your application indicating what the informalities might be where you may be having trouble, um, the best thing to do is to just kind of pick up the phone and resolve the issue with the examiner to make sure you have a meeting of the, of the mind. The examiner understands your position. You understand the examiner's position, and hopefully that will help expedite the process to get to a patentable um, application. And so, uh, so through the virtual interview room, we have a, a bunch. We have actually three different types of of camera systems that we use to really help Im- to, to help replicate the experience as if the examiner was sitting next to you. Uh, you can actually like write on documents and circle items in the drawing, and the examiner sees everything that you're doing very clearly. So, uh, so it's really just a robust way of, of interacting with our examiners to help further and advance the prosecution of your application with the hopes of, of maturing to a patent. Oh, my God, that is so cool. Um, so I want to talk to you more about some of the technologies that you're seeing and some of the trends and also, you know, um, what CES is like. Like, why why did you guys go? Um, do you go every year? Those kind of questions. So we're going to be back in a moment with John Chebecca, who's the director of the Silicon Valley United States Patent and Trademark Office, dropping insights about a part of our media and te- technology world that we don't often really talk about. And it's so exciting to, to hear what's happening all over the U.S. to to support this growing technology uh, infrastructure. So we're going to be back again with John, um, hearing all the the groovy stuff about uh, what's happening in our world. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we are back on the Tech Cat Show, and we've been talking with John Chebecca, who's the director of the Silicon Valley United States Patent and Trademark Office, having a conversation that we rarely have more about the side of technology trends um, from the legal perspective, but also, you know, finding out can you 
can you register this thing properly, legally, and what does that entail, and uh, all the things that go into that. Now, John and the Patent Office um, had a presence at the Consumer Electronics Show, um, which we all just returned from a week ago in Las Vegas, and it was an intense week um, and a mind-blowing week, um, seeing all of the of the latest trends in the Internet of Things and artificial intelligence and VR and AR and the future of automotive. Um, and John, I'm just wondering, what does the patent office do there? You know, it makes sense that you're there, but do you have a specific, you know, goal when you go every year? Yeah, uh, we actually have several roles when we go to CES, and I, I believe last year was, uh, or this, this past year, I guess, the 51st anniversary of CES, but it, it was only the third time the USPTO had a formal presence at CES. So in the past three years, we've really recognized the fact that our presence there is, number one, way past due, but that we've been able to make some really meaningful impacts while on the ground uh, during the CES conference. Uh, when we're at CES, we're, we are an active part of the Leaders in Technology program, which brings together leaders from across the, the private sector as well as the public sector, including even elected officials and, and government executives, to, to really have an in-depth discussion around key topics of innovation policy. And, uh, and this past uh, CES, we actually had an effort to help build, uh, we, we participated on a panel to help build the scientific and technical workforce of the future and identify some key ways that, that we as a country can help keep America as innovative as a, an innovative engine for the world. Um, we also met with tech leaders on a variety of issues, you know, ranging from their experience with protecting and enforcing their intellectual property rights in the U.S., um, but also uh, some of the things they're seeing globally. Um, we also continue to seek ways, especially when you're at CES, you're seeing a lot of new and emerging technologies, and our patent examiners have to examine those new and emerging technologies. So we also use it as an opportunity to identify ways for us to, um, you know, have uh, experts come to the USPTO and train our examiners on these new emerging technologies so they can do the quality jobs that, that we expect of them every day. Uh, we also served as a judge for some technical competitions. Uh, we met with groups of young entrepreneurs from other countries who are at CES to you know, see all the new innovations, but really trying to seek uh, protection for their inventions as they're developing them in their countries and bringing those to the U.S. Um, in addition to the Leaders in Technology program, a really big and perhaps one of the most essential parts of what we do at the Consumer Electronics Show are all of the efforts that we put into the Eureka Park um, Center, which is where there's about 800 startups. Um, you know, many of these startups are exhibiting for the first or second time, and, you know, if, if not all of them are in a rush to get their, their products ready to, uh, to exhibit at the CES conference, and often in that rush, they, they may have neglected to adequately protect their intellectual property. So we actually go around the floor and meet with the, the emerging and, and, uh, and startup uh, entrepreneurs that are exhibiting and talk to them about ways that, that they can protect themselves even on the ground at CES and, uh, and to help protect their intellectual property. One thing that we did in preparation for the show back in November 
was we actually held a webinar for exhibitors to help the exhibitors better understand what they need to know before the show, what are the basics of IP, how to protect yourself at a trade show, but most importantly, as I mentioned before, identifying those risks of disclosure. What can you say before filing a patent application? And once you have a patent application, you know, what, what, what does your disclosure look like? And, uh, and what can you do at the show to protect yourself? Wow. So, so you were really, really busy. Um, <laughs> how, how is America doing in terms of, you know, um, innovation and, and, you know, I don't know if it's like how many patents a year happen, but, you know, how do you judge how we are doing? You know, are we competing globally accurately? Are we in the game? Are we behind? Is there a way to really judge that? So yeah, we um, you know we meet. We're 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 one of the the top five largest IP offices in the world. Uh, you know we uh, meet regularly with those other four countries. So in addition to the U.S. intellectual property uh, system, we meet with uh, European Patent Office as well as um, the patent offices in Korea, Japan, and China. So that those five countries make up about 95% of the patent filings alone that we see um, globally. So usually an application filed in another country outside of those countries will, may also have an application filed in one of those, at least one of those five countries. So it really does make up for a, a large percentage of the applications that we're seeing. Um, at the USPTO, we've seen a continual increase year on year of patent filings being received into the U.S. Um, this past year, I believe it was over 640 thousand patent applications were received in the United States. Um, half of those were filed from foreign from other uh, foreign entities. So the other half, you know, about 320,000 or so were filed from within the U.S. Um, and then when we talk about trends, you know, about a third of those are coming from the West Coast region. Uh, I talked about the regional office and we're in Silicon Valley. I neglected to mention that we actually cover seven states in the West Coast. So in addition wow. to... California, you know, I'm responsible for, um, you know, outreach and education and stakeholder engagement on, on IP and policy matters uh, for California, Oregon, Washington, Nevada, Arizona, uh, Alaska, and Hawaii. So, so it does keep us quite busy. And those seven states make up for about one-third of the total filings that we're seeing from within the U.S. Uh, each year. So it is a very innovative um, uh, community and region, and we see it not just on the high-tech side, but also extensively on the biotechnology side as well. And then on biotech. The tra- <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I was just going to say on the trademark on the trademark side, we've seen year-on-year increases in trademark filings um, at rates we hadn't seen in decades. And I think that that's actually very telling because in order to get a trademark uh, registration for, for a trademark, that good or service must be uh, used in commerce to receive the registration for the mark. So I think it's quite telling about the entrepreneurial activity in the U.S. Um, you know, with respect to the products and services uh, from U.S. industries. So, and even industries you know, coming into the U.S. marketplace. Um, so we've no, seen no. again. Yeah, well, sorry, I have so many questions for you because it's it's so fascinating. <laughs> does does the administration change at all um, how you guys move through this? Um, you know, like some offices in the government really change a lot when a new administration comes in. Are you guys at all affected by that? 
So, yeah, we're, we're part of the executive branch in the federal government, so our leadership, you know, um, evolves and changes, you know, with, uh, with different administrations or even within a single administration, and that's just uh, kind of par for the course with how, how the government works. So uh, the good news is, you know, our mission uh, really hasn't changed in the past um, couple you know, I'll, I'll say a couple decades, so I don't know the exact number of years, but, you know, it really is to help our customers, um, you know, get the patents that they need and to get the, the trademark registrations that they need as well and to really, uh, you know, serve as a global leader in the intellectual property community. So, uh, and so we, so that general mission doesn't really change too much. You know, priorities change. Um, our uh, focus, you know, may change, you know, from here to there. But, but generally, you know, we're all very much driven to helping our uh, stakeholders get the patent protection that they need and to make the appropriate adjustments to our intellectual property laws that, uh, that are meaningful and balanced and help them do that as well. Wow. Um, um, you, you're just continuously blowing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and and in terms of you know why why a um, you know a, a company a non U.S. company would would file a patent here is that so they can do business here? D- does that mean that people have to file patents in in different regions? You know, is is that the approach, or does filing a patent with the U.S. mean something you know bigger um, than than just the U.S.? Yeah, so getting a patent in the U.S. will only protect you in the U.S. So that's why, um, you know, companies also seek patent protection in other countries where they, they may want to um, either manufacture. You get patent protection for a variety of different reasons. It may not be to manufacture or sell your product in that comp- country. It may be to prevent others from manufacturing or selling that product in the country. And so there may be a defensive reason as well as an offensive reason for seeking patent protection in other countries. And so uh, other companies from other countries have that same, you know, uh, you know the same view of the U.S. system as well. If they want to enforce their rights in the U.S., um, to exclude someone from making and using, selling, importing their invention, they would need to get patent protection in the U.S. to prevent them from doing that. Well, so filing a patent um, is, 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 is also using strategy from a competitive perspective um, to, to lock out uh, potential people coming along with a similar, similar ideas. Well, that, that is fascinating. Well, we've been talking to John Chebecca, who is the director of the Silicon Valley United States Patent and Trademark Office, coming off of the Consumer Electronics Show, which happened last week in Las Vegas, which is the, the biggest uh, global tech show um, in, in the world, and it happens um, every year, uh, early January, and um, John and his peeps had a big presence there. So when we come back, we're going to talk more about some of the technology trends that John is seeing um, with, I think, one of the coolest jobs that we've had talked about here on the Tech Cat Show. <laughs> so we'll be back in a moment talking more with John Chebecca. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. 
inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we are back on the Tech Cat Show. We have been digging into information about patent and trademarks with the fabulous John Chebecca, who's the director of the Silicon Valley USPTO. And um, John has been filling us in about the role of the Patent and Trademark Office and just how, how a company would even use um, strategy to file a patent to, to be competitive, to stop other companies from, from getting in there. But John, you must be sitting on top of a lot of trends um, as you watch different um, patent requests come in and you're talking to different entrepreneurs. Can you share with us some of the, uh, the trends that you're seeing in terms of new tech coming along? Sure. And, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, there's about 8,200 or so patent examiners at the USPTO, uh, and we're really examining in- inventions that are in technology areas that, that, that cover the spectrum, you know, from, uh, you know, the highest level, I would say, mechanical, chemical, electrical, computer, and biotechnology, but really drilling down to the really uh, minutest aspects of those technologies or the, uh, the technologies that relate to that. Um, so we pretty much get to see it all. Um, I personally don't get to see the 600,000 patent applications that come in every <laughs> year. Um, but at the same time, in the engagement with the community across my region, I do get a, a very good sense of some of the priorities with the, um, with the community. And one of the things that we've, we've been uh, working to do is to help build those relationships between a specific industry sector and, um, and the, the USPTO, and more specifically, the, the USPTO examiners that are, that are examining in this sector, to have a meeting of the minds about what are some of the issues that that sector may face uh, in, in uh, you know, since it's a, it may be an emerging technology, what are some of the issues they're facing getting their patent protection? And then similarly, from the examiner's perspective, you know, what are some of the unique aspects of that sector that may, that gain, you know, the examiner gaining that perspective may help them do a better job. So, so we create these business partnership meetings, and we've had one, our longest running one is our biotechnology business partnership meeting, but we also hold them for the biomedical area. We hold them for 3D printing and it added additive manufacturing for our communications area and computer software. I actually held the first the cybersecurity um, business partnership meeting out here on the West Coast, and we've been building that relationship for the past three years. And then one that we're really seeking to build out this year, uh, and it's actually a result of my uh, my 
my visit to the Consumer Electronics Show two years ago and was with the smart fabrics industry. And so we've been doing quite a bit to help this new and emerging technology that, you know, really got its roots in the U.S. and, you know, what are some of the things that we as an agency can do to help foster and support this new and emerging technology and kind of on the flip side, you know, how how can um, their expertise help our examiners uh, do better quality job in these in these new and emerging areas? So that's one that we're hoping to bring to the first time, um, you know, build that partnership for the first time in 2018. So we're looking forward to that as well. Um, otherwise, you know, at CES, you know, I know the the, uh, the theme this year was AI, so that was all over the place. Um, but uh, also, you know, with with the autonomous vehicles, tends to be another really interesting and emerging trends and the types of vehicles. We're seeing the autonomous uh, functionality get built into. It's really interesting too. So uh, it's just uh, I think interesting times that we see these technologies evolve at a very fast rate. Do you um, meet up with patent offices across the globe and then come home and discuss and and sort of say, okay, we better light up some of you know this this tech trend or this type of thing? It's it's happening over there. I mean, is it is it? Are you helping to you know? sort of grow areas like you just mentioned smart fabrics so if you find out about an area that's bubbling up in another region do do you you know try to light it up more i know that sounds like you're leading instead of sort of being there as a resource but um it's, it seems to me that you you do have that opportunity yeah, we um, when it comes to working with with the other countries, we have an amazing international team back at headquarters. Um, you know, we often host delegations from IP offices from around the world, um, but but generally we're focused more on the innovation, uh, intellectual property policy, and advancing and where we can harmonizing those efforts with the other offices around the globe. And like I said, we have a phenomenal team that, that does that. Um, we, we don't really focus too much on, you know, at least from the USPTO's perspective, in, in building out a tech sector that we might be seeing in another country. I don't think we really have that. I mean, we, we might have that insight with our patent filings, but I don't think it's something that, that we've actively done in the past, but I could be mistaken there. Um, but really trying to more focus on advancing the IP policy and building consistency across offices where we can. Are you um, seeing any trends also in the type of people um, demographically that file patents? And the reason I ask that question is one of the the big topics, um, you know, in the last two years is women in tech and especially in Hollywood with, you know, all the madness going on with some of, uh, you know, uh, sexual harassment topics. But just in in general, are you seeing any, uh, you know, trending towards it's more more um, male led companies are filing patents or more women or is it pretty much you don't look at that data? I haven't seen that data recently enough to be able to comment on it, but I will share that uh, that we've had a, a tremendous effort in recent years to promote women in IP, uh, as well as the, the women leadership at the USPTO that, that we're quite proud of. Um, but and the, but kind of looking to the future, we actually I mentioned at CES, you know, we participated in a panel on building the future workforce, and that was um, the speaker on that panel is one of our USPTO executives, uh, the deputy business unit head for our administration office, and uh, Lynn Coggins, and she just did a phenomenal job, really kind of highlighting some of the things that we do at the 
USPTO to help build and identify the technical and scientific workforce of the future um, through primarily through a lot of our K through 12 STEM programs. Um, we have STEM for IP programs that, that we've created, and uh, are, we're more focused on what are some of the things that we can do to help spur the future um, scientists for the country, and, and that's really more of a, a focus area for us. Um, and so not just K through 12, but also in the, the, the uh, secondary school systems and, and colleges. Well, I, I love that. Um, you just gave me chills because I have an eight-year-old girl, so I'm always, um, you know, I'm always sticking new STEM toys in front of her to, um, to secure her future. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a kids page. We have a kids page on the USPTO.gov uh, website that actually has activities um, okay. that are really help to bridge that gap between creativity and innovation. And you can download these activities, very simple, um, easy to get tools to, to, to do the activity. But the activity is actually supposed to build an understanding of a concept that um, of a notable inventor. So someone that received, you know, an, in, or is inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame, say, for example, example, uh, you, know, you know, so maybe a concept from one of their inventions is translated into kind of a simple exercise for kids to understand innovation. Oh, how smart. Uh, so it can become part of a curriculum. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, that, that is so smart. Well, I'm going to turn my, uh, my daughter's school onto that if they don't already know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know if I can help. <laughs> oh, my God, I love that. Because the one other so thing much... I'd like to, to share is yes, uh, we're also actively uh, a part of World Intellectual Property Day, which is a, it's a, a April 26th every year, and around the, the kind of weeks prior, prior to and following April 26th, we, we blanket the country with these World IP Day programs to boost the awareness of intellectual property with a specific theme. And this year's theme is focused on women in intellectual property. So we will probably do around seven or eight programs just in the West Coast region alone um, to, to, uh, to promote World IP Day this year as well. And I know that the, I think we'll probably do around 50 or so across the country. Oh my God! It's so funny because I'm, you know, I'm taking notes as you speak, but I've made a, a personal page of notes <laughs> <laughs> because everything that you're you're saying is is so exciting. Are you um are your people spending a lot of time these days in 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 Los Angeles and in California because there's so much this part of California because there's so much um content tech happening right now. Um, I don't know if it leads to the need for patents, but I know that. A lot of the world that I sit in, it's all about the, those two worlds merging together, content and tech. Yeah, um, so, so we do, one of the things that, that we have created at the USPTO is we actually have um, a, a data team that manages the tremendous amount of content that we develop as an agency and to create new and innovative ways of displaying that content in a way that actually has helped to spur on new industries. Like the, I like to call it IP analytics or patent analytics. That whole industry has really got its legs from the, the transparency of the USPTO's data. And so uh, we actually have a developer portal on our, that you can access through our website where you can actually see um, some ways that our data has been used in new and creative ways. And many times it's, it's uh, driven to help uh, identify a business strategy or a particular direction that a company may want to go. So all of that data is publicly available. Uh, so that's very interesting uh, for us as well. And then as far as where we're spending our time, um, I, I just thought you know, I'd share one one interesting fact is last year, you know, our fiscal year, which ended 
ended in, in, uh, on October 1, um, just the four regional offices alone, you know, actively participated in over 1,000 um, events. Um, reaching over 80,000 people. So we're actually able to, to reach the region in ways we never have before. And it, it, uh, I know your, your question was focused more on content and patents, but, uh, but we really reach the, our focus is quite broad. So it's for the innovation community, you know, across all levels. So we mentioned K through 12 and startups, but we do a lot with academic institutions, with IP professionals and international programs as well, and we really try to cover and blanket our regions as best as we can. So it's, it's really for all levels across the innovation community and across the innovation ecosystem. So in any way we can support um, the efforts of uh, emerging enterprises, we try to do that too. Wow, that's that's fantastic. Well, we um, have to take a break, but we've been talking to John Chebecca, who's the director of Silicon Valley United States Patent and Trademark Office, um, really digging into this fascinating world of um, trends and technology. Um, so we're going to be back in a moment on the Tech Pat Show. More with John. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. And we have been talking to John Chebecca, who's the director of the Silicon Valley United States Patent and Trademark Office, on the heels of the Consumer Electronics Show, where um, John and his team had a big presence um, digging into the legal sides and the trend sides of, um, of patents um, for, for new businesses, new technology companies. So, John, I always like to ask this with my guests since we're always talking about technology trends. And so much of what people do for a living is also driven by their personal passion. So what what is your house like? Do you have like tons of Alexas and is everything connected? And do you have like, is your house filled with the latest gadgets? So um, it's a good question. So when I moved, so I moved to California um, about two and a half years ago uh, from from. Alexandria from headquarters, and uh, and yeah, the, the house uh, does have some some cool gadgets. You know, I know when I get a little message on my app every time the garage door opens or closes, and I get a little <laughs> message anytime the door is opened or unlocked. And you know, I may have more than one Alexa. <laughs> oh my God, I have so many! Um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's like a um, chorus when I say Alexa. You know, it's like five of them answer. 
Right. <laughs> I don't have that many yet, um, but uh, but no, it's it's been it's been fun. I, I like um, I like technology. I'm an electrical engineer myself, so I love seeing the technology evolve. Um, you know, I I favor you know when it comes to mobile devices. Uh, you know, I was a huge fan of you know kind of the handcrafted, and I still am. But the handcrafted, you know, just mechanical masterpieces for watches. And then now that everyone, you know, just seems to be transitioning to, you know, a tech watch, you know, it's been interesting to see that evolution evolve from, you know, the, the you know, beautiful mechanical watches and the, the, the you know, software-driven, you know, processor-driven tech watches. And now we're starting to see those technologies come together, which I think is really interesting, too. So uh, I don't have one of the blended ones yet, but, I'm, but I've been pleased to see that, that, you know, there's an effort underway to get them uh, blended because I haven't worn my mechanical watch in a couple of months, so I need to dig it out again. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but no, so, and then also, like, I like one platform, uh, you know, versus Apple versus, uh, you know, Android, and my other half likes the other ones. are always in battle as to, to which one's better, but yeah, I, I won't say have, which one. I, yeah, I used to have... Um, <laughs> A house like that, and um, it led to divorce. And so now, <laughs> now we're pure, we're pure Apple. But um, I, to- I totally un- understand how that goes. Now, where do you go personally, also, to keep up with everything? Are you going to a lot of the CES type shows just so you're kept educated about all this, or does it sort of just come into your world because of the nature of what you do? Yeah, it's probably more the latter. It's really, um, you know, a lot of kind of the hands-on experience that I get as a result of the fact that I'm out and about across the region engaging with the community at in a variety of different ways. And, you know, I mentioned, you know, last year, you know, we had, you know, as four regional offices had about a thousand events, but the Silicon Valley office um, participated in over 350 events. And I personally spoke at about 130 of them. So I'm going oh, wow. to yeah. conferences talking about, you know, different aspects of our IP system based on, and some of them are tech-focused conferences. Many of them are, are intellectual property, uh, fo- you know, advanced IP-focused conferences, and some of them are really targeted towards that startup and entrepreneur. So it really does expose me to a variety of different um, different uh, avenues that the, the tech industry is focused on. Wow. Um uh, I, I think you would be an excellent dinner party guest, is, <laughs> is my feeling. Now, where can everybody, you mentioned some portals in different places. Can you share with the audience where they can, you know, find out more about all of this? Yeah, the, um, and it's, uh, there's a lot of information out there, and that's one of the reasons I, I love the effort that the agency is taking with establishing a regional presence for the agency across the country, because some of that information isn't true, right? So we like to make sure that we have an opportunity to share, you know, this is where, what the facts are, this is where to get the resources that are going to help you the most, and, and we're, we're relentless in that pursuit. And, you know, I was one time asked, you know, if, uh, you know, 
you know, how do I keep up with engaging with the, the, the community, you know, across the region? And, uh, and, you know, it really is keeping up because the, the position is as rewarding as it is challenging, uh, meaning, and I say challenging because, you know, I mentioned the broad mission, you know, where we're, we're covering the innovation ecosystem for stakeholders at all levels. So anytime I talk to somebody after my, after, or, I, or I do a presentation, after the presentation, there's always a handful of folks coming up saying, hey, have you heard about this organization? Can you come speak here? So it really is just still, even though I've been out here now four years in, in the role on the West Coast, um, you know, it really does still, to this day, still scratch the surface. There's so much going on to help support the community and to make sure that, you know, the USPTO message is delivered clearly to help our stakeholders, you know, boost their awareness of IP, make better decisions about how to protect in, uh, their IP, and then also to discover resources available to help, uh, to help them, and particularly with, you know, under-resourced inventors on our website. So I'll talk about a little bit, a couple, some of our links, you know, on our website, USPTO.gov. There is uh, links to the pro bono program, the pro se inventors program. Pro se is when an applicant files on their own behalf, and we actually have an assistance center at at, uh, at the agency to help kind of you know do that little bit of extra hand holding that a pro se inventor might need. We also work with law schools uh, and have law school clinic programs that provide le- free legal services for under resourced inventors as well. Um, but on our website alone. There's a tool called the IP Awareness Assessment Tool. So if you're not sure whether you need a patent or a trademark or you're better protected as a trade secret, you take this questionnaire. It's about 35 minutes long. And at the end, it'll guide you to resources that are weighted based on your answers. So a really good way to kind of get started. And there will also be links to videos and on patent and trademark basics, which our videos are actually very good, um, uh, and, you know, particularly on the, the trademark side. They're in many languages, and, we're still, and we have many on the patent side as well uh, that will really help kind of get the sense of you know, what is this, you know, this cloud of IP, what does it really mean, and how, how should I be protecting myself. Um, each regional office also manages its own uh, event, events page. We have a, you know, a master events page through the USPTO.gov website. Um, you can also sign up through the USPTO.gov for uh, to, to receive email newsletters from either the patent side, trademark side of the house, and some of our other publications. Um, but the regional offices are, uh, so for the Silicon Valley offices, just USPTO.gov forward slash Silicon Valley, um, where we talk about some of the other resources you can have uh, specifically here at the Silicon Valley office where you can sign up. Uh, for a specific time slot to meet one-on-one with a patent expert to talk through or to have perhaps even get help with searching for your invention. Um, uh, so you can sign up for time uh, to do that and then also see some of our more Silicon Valley-specific programs that are taking place across the region. Great. Well, John, we have to go, but we could talk to you for hours. So much great information, so many resources, and a really door into a world that I think uh, many technologists, content people, media people uh, don't realize, and so many great resources, too. So John Chebeco is the director of Silicon Valley United States Patent and Trademark Office. It's been great talking to you, and everyone can check out USPTO.gov. Is that correct? USPTO.gov. Thank you so much, John. And everybody will be continuing our month-long discussions about the Consumer Electronics Show and all the latest technology trends happening in our world. Bye, everybody. Thanks, John. My pleasure. Bye, everyone.
Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 